The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, and I am joined by Pharaoh Cat Defender, Zach O. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? Hanging in there. It's uh, Today is Saturday the 5th, which is the day the podcast is coming out, and also the day we're recording it, because yesterday some some guy was, I don't know what the sound was. He was ankle grinding or hammer drilling or something. There was a lot of very noisy stuff right outside my window. So we're recording a day later. We'll get this get this out to you listeners at the same time, um, and you can expect the next report to be on schedule as usual on Thursday the 10th. Let's talk about the initial stabilization, or at least what looks like the stabilization of the uh, of the Dark Moon Fair meta, because the way the report is structured this week, Zach, is a little different. We've got six classes and then other. Yeah, I don't know about stabilization, more like domination. Uh... Because uh, it certainly seems like the meta is headed in a direction where the rich is only gain- getting richer. Uh, especially when it comes to Demon Hunter and Warrior. Uh, those are the classes that pretty much shape the format. And then you have four other classes that do well in under their domination and dictation of the meta. Then you have four other classes that are like, why are we here? Uh, that definitely is something that strikes you when you go over the data and when we work on, on the report as well internally and, and predict future trends. This is what it's looking right now. So uh, hopefully there will be some new developments, some new surprises um, that you know give some breathing room for other classes to shine in. But you can't help but feel like there eventually needs to be some intervention in order to, you know, shake things up. Um, but I feel like the best way to start this podcast is by talking about Demon Hunter. And Demon Hunter, as we uh, as we said, we, we are recording this on Saturday. It's already been a few days um, from when we worked on last week's database. So new data is coming in and new developments are coming in as... You know, people are climbing their after the monthly reset. And Demon Hunter is blowing up. Blowing up in a big way. Um, how much is it blowing up? It's reaching the point where uh, Demon Hunter is nearing 40% representation at Diamond 2 and Diamond 1. And what's most striking about this is how the two archetypes are split. We're looking at Aggro Demon Hunter boasting a play rate of over 20% in these ranks, while Soul Demon Hunter is only like over 10%. Uh, so Aggro Demon Hunter has been blowing up on ladder um, super, super hard with the new builds that you know we extensively talked in this report. The build that runs Skull of Gul'dan over Acrobatics with Polkit and Altris. Now, the week before, we saw a little bit of Altris uh, we also saw a little bit of Skull, but in the context of them both together, it wasn't that great until Polkit also joined the fray. 
And what Polkit allows you to do is when you play Polkit on like turn five and you top deck your skull, then you pretty much always discount the altruist. And when you consistently discount your altruist, and also you get things like Still Stepper and Dreadlord's Bite that can also be discounted by Skull, it becomes quite a scary late game finisher. Now, what it does is not only does it increase the efficiency of the deck overall, it makes it more of a threat throughout the game because the older build, you know, it kind of have an insane early game and snowballs hard and wins from there. But if you manage to fend off the initial aggression, you can kind of, you, you, you're in a good position. But here, it's a lot harder to stop uh, Aggro Demon Hunter when it has the reload of Skull Gadan as well as the Polkit Altruist Finisher. Um, that finishing potential just makes it that much harder to stay out of their lethal range. So it's great against in every matchup, but it also makes Haggard Demon Hunter less susceptible to its two worst matchups, right? The only two decks that are, you know, Lifesteal Demon Hunter beats Aggro Demon Hunter the most. Like it's that, that matchup is the hardest for Aggro Demon Hunter, but Lifesteal Demon Hunter is not really popular. The two decks that keep Aggro Demon Hunter in check are Control Warrior and Soul Demon Hunter. And we've seen that these percentages, the advantage of these two decks, uh, has shrunk to some degree as a result of the propagation of the Polkit Skull Altruist build. So this means that Aggro Demon Hunter is almost unstoppable and it's only kept in check. It's only kept in check and stopped from being this Ashes of Outland level of Aggro Demon Hunter by these two ducks. Uh, these two ducks that are very powerful themselves and probably a little bit too powerful. Uh, so the meta is kind of uh, uh, shaped up by you've got the Soul Demon Hunter and Control Warrior, and then you've got the Aggro Demon Hunter that is only stopped by the, the dominant meta-defining duo. Um, Soul Demon Hunter hasn't changed. Like, there's no reason to change it. Uh, I have hit top 100 legend this month. I had a quick climb. I climbed on the third day because I had to work on the report. So when I had some time, I just jammed like, uh, I don't know, 30 games of Soul Demon Hunter and got legend and instantly pinged top 100. Um, the deck is just really, really powerful, especially now that you know there are a lot of aggro Demon Hunter. And you know when you mulligan now, you need to consider... That Aggro Demon Hunter are even more popular than Soul Demon Hunter on ladder. Uh, and obviously that matchup is good for the Soul Demon Hunter, but it always feels very close. It always feels very um, stressful, especially when you don't have Aldraki Warblades. When you don't draw that card, uh, I feel like you're in trouble. More so than, you know, Mystic or Blade Dance or all your removal. Because you will get removal. The thing is, you need life gain in order to be able to sustain through the aggro demon hunter's pressure because they never run out of cards like you can remove their stuff turn after turn but they're still gonna keep smacking you in the head and if you don't stabilize your life total you're in trouble uh so that's pretty much uh, my impression of the matchup and yeah that deck is super scary um aggro demon hunter seems it, to be the sort of thing that w the initial impression of the format was oh you need to play Risky Skipper or Shard Shatter Mystic, and those cards are really just, they're actually secretly the good guys. They're all that's holding back Ultras and Dreadlord's Bite and all that stuff from, from just dominating the format, from 
Yeah, I don't know if they're good guys. I definitely don't think they're good guys, but uh, the way I see it, there are two very obvious layers of busted. Uh, I've written that in the report itself. And one layer of busted is Skipper, Mystic, Soul Demon Hunter, and Control Warrior's defensive tools. But if you peel that layer off without addressing the next layer of busted, which is Agro Demon Hunter, the meta is not going to get better, it's going to get worse. Because that deck is just going to stomp everyone if you nerf both of these two decks without addressing it. Yeah. So that's the situation that we're in. And and then, you know, if you nerf all of them, then I don't know, maybe Highlander Hunter becomes too prevalent and too good. Uh, it's kind of a situation that's difficult to balance and make a decision on. Uh, we can see the Team 5 are waiting. Maybe part of it is waiting for Worlds to finish. They don't want to maybe make changes just before Worlds. Incoming balance patch on Tuesday. But uh, <laughs> um, it definitely feels like if we're not getting a, a change the next week, then it's probably going to happen the week after on the, like, uh, the 14th or the 15th. Something like that. I would expect some changes. But it's definitely difficult what the, these changes are going to be. Uh, it's difficult to say because the decision itself is complicated. Yeah, it's the cards that have seemed like they've needed a nerf have. There are two categories. There are cards that seem powerful, but then after a few days, it's like maybe this isn't actually the thing. Um, and then there's Twin Slice. Nerf Twin Slice. It's nerfing. I mean, nerfing Twin Slice is probably the way that you uh, can hit both Aggro Demon Hunter and Sold. Demon Hunter at the same time by nerfing one card. But I'm not sure how you even nerfed Twin Slice. And the thing is, it, uh, like, you can rework it and make it trash, right? But as long as it's like, I don't want them to make Twin Slice just utter trash, right? I don't want them to make a trash card. Uh, but it's very difficult to keep that card playable while addressing the issue of the card and i'm not sure that when nerfing twin slice is actually going to do much for aggro demon hunter like it like it feels like it's a card that you nerf in order to hit both decks but honestly looking at the power level aggro demon hunter and where it's concentrated twin slice is not really the problem um so i'm not sure this this change would actually address the issue uh so i think they need to be hit in different areas uh, but what's more powerful in them. Like, And I don't think Twin Slice is that kind of card for Aggro Demon Hunter. So um, there's probably not a magic bullet that hits both decks at the same time. And you just have to sort out, you know, whatever's powerful in, in each deck. So like Dreadlord's Bite is a really powerful weapon. That card's crazy. And, that card's and, crazy. Yeah, like... That should have two attack. That's like low-key MVP of the deck in many ways. Uh, and the fact that it has so much draw, so much good draw with like Voracious Reader and Still Stepper is a great card draw and damage source. And now you have Polkhead Skull. Like the deck just never runs out of stuff. And really, if you hit Twin Slice in that deck, I don't feel like you're going to do much. Uh, like it's not going to do much. Twin Slice is the card that you kind of hit if you want to make it worse against other decks that develop board early. Because the feeling of trying to develop against that deck and then they Twin Slice your Battle Mage and you have another 2-2 in hand is demoralizing. 
But yeah, that's not really what the format's about right now. Um, and I don't know if this is the limiting factor there, or if it's just that aggro DH beats all the other minion decks, because there aren't a ton of other aggro decks that are seeing a ton of play outside of like Highlander Hunter, really, that I can think of. Yeah, because uh, because all of the three decks that are dominating the meta right now, they're all great against aggro decks. Like Control Warrior and Soul Demon Hunter, it's easy to understand why they're great, but Aggro Demon Hunter also just pushes these decks off the board. Uh, pretty much dominates things like Shaman uh, that want to have like Temple on the board. Like it's very difficult to to get under Aggro Demon Hunter. And when you look at um, you look at the Soul Demon Hunter, like like cards that you need to think about rather than just Twin Slice. Like Twin Slice is stronger in that deck than it is in Aggro Demon Hunter. Honestly, it's it's much better there. But you look at Aldraki Warblades, like that card long term, like they nerfed it already, but. If you're going to continue to design attack modifiers for Demon Hunter, like then it basically has the absolute best form of life gain in the format ever and forever and ever. Like whenever there's an attack modifier being added to the to the card pool, then Aldraki Warblades becomes better. And it's crazy that the card had three charges, but I'm not sure that card should be a basic card that should be there forever. Yeah. Like, it's crazy to me that we have a class with a basic card that offers life gain that's stronger and better and more versatile than anything else any other class has ever had in Hearthstone. Uh, so, like, a card like that is, for me, crazy that it just sits there in the basic set. So, Aldraki Warblades, I think, I see as a problem. Um, Blade Dance, um, Shad uh, uh, Shard Shadow Mystic, ob obviously, but Blade Dance is kind of a card that just. You know, Demon Hunter is supposed to be weak against big minions, right? It doesn't have hard removal. But that's kind of a lie, because when you have a lot of weapons and attack modifiers, then Blade Dance kills everything. You basically kill everything. Like, 8 health minions? No problem. I'm just gonna... I have a Marrow Slicer in hand, I'm just gonna Twin Slice and Chaos Strike and Blade Dance and whatever. And the card is so efficient that sometimes you just Blade Dance for one minion, and that's good enough, because it's like a savagery. And that works in Demon Hunter because it has so many attack modifiers. Like if Druid had a lot of attack modifiers and can get consistently a uh, uh, attack power of like five six, then Savagery would be a good card, maybe. Uh, but you know, there's always a weapon in Demon Hunter's hand, so Blade Dance is always like good and efficient, and sometimes it's just completely ridiculous. So those are cards that you can easily hit. What we're looking at is kind of a it's a critical mass of damage modifiers, for sure, along with the Initiate set, which includes Mana Burn, Consume Magic, Twin Slice, Alterus, and Blade Dance. Rotates in yeah. whenever the next rotation is, which we think is probably going to be late March at this point. And there isn't going to be a classic set for Demon Hunter made that we know of until the next year, until 2022. That's when they're making the classic set. So these cards that are going away in a few months... We don't know if they're going to be a part of the game going forward outside of Wild. And if they're not going to stay in Standard, it's not typical for them to nerf cards that are rotating out uh, quickly, but they could, and there's going to be a little bit less impact to them because these cards were free. They gave them away. So it's entirely possible True. that these are the cards that they can address. If they move Twin Slice to make, make uh, the base Twin Slice do plus one attack and the second half do plus two, and they move Blade Dance to three mana, it's impactful for a few months in Standard, and then the cards go away and might not come back. These aren't permanently a part of Demon Hunter's class identity. 
So because they don't have to be beholden to these cards being around forever, I think it's reasonable to see some changes. And you're right, Eldrachi Warblades is just going to be a thing we see all the time unless they change it, which they've changed classic cards or basic cards like that before. If that costs four mana, it's an option, but not a but not something the class leans into quite the same way. By the way, for those wondering, the correct pronunciation of Aldraki Warblades is actually Aldraki Warblades. I'm actually the one who's pronouncing something correctly. Did, I say, time, did I say Chi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Aldraki. Aldraki. But yeah, it's Aldraki. Yeah. I'm practicing. Like, I think it's fine to nerf, like, even if these cards rotate, just nerf some of them before, like, I would just uh, Blade Dance. That's the first card I would nerf. Uh, from Soul Demon Hunter, and I would look at Aldraki Warblades long-term and think of whether that card should be a basic card. Uh, these are the two things that I have the most issue with, uh, with uh, Soul Demon Hunter. Um, when it comes to Aggro Demon Hunter, I honestly think that deck is like harder to nerf, because it's just a bunch of stuff. About, like, it's density. Yeah, it's, it's just a bunch of stuff. Like it, It's not really like this one card. But it's probably like Dreadlord's Bite. I feel like that card is just, that weapon is just far too efficient. I want that weapon to have two attack uh, pretty badly. I think that weapon should just have two attack. And then and then you solve a lot yeah, of Yeah, like, I don't know, nerf the attack or something. It just, it, it just does too much, I think. And the card is just so overloaded in, in a bad way. Like, not in the shaman way, but in the does everything well way. Um, when, you, when you outcast it in hero power, it's a swipe to face that does one more damage. Uh, like, yeah, it's just not nutty. Yeah. It's just nutty. Like the fact that you have this one mana hero power as well just makes every weapon just so efficient. Like it yeah. always hits something, always hits the right target. Always you have an, the en- enough attack to do whatever you want to do. Um, and honestly, Still Stepper is a card that is proving to be really powerful in that deck too. So I don't know. Probably Dreadlord's Bite and. Blade Dance are the two cards that I would immediately look to change uh, based on the performance of them and their respective archetypes. Yes. I agree with those and also and also Nerf Twin Slice. Let's make that card worse. I, I don't know. Tw- Twin Slice, honestly, I don't, I don't think needs to like... I, I think you can let that card go. I, I think it's just making it overly complicated by making it, uh, um, you know... It's value different from the second slice. It just, for me, feels like a lower quality of life thing. Just makes it an awkward card. I think you can let that card go away. It's good. Uh, it, it's not even going to make that big of a difference for, especially an aggro demon hunter. Uh, so I think you can address other things and impact these decks in meaningful ways without even touching twin slice, which is a card you already reworked, right? So. That's pretty much what I would do well, when it comes to Demon Hunter. But that, that's pretty much for the class. Obviously, there's Lifesteal Demon Hunter. And that deck is kind of cute, but it's only cute. It's not super intimidating, and it's not super powerful. It's gotten a little better because people have made its build a little bit more efficient. Um, I've seen players work on it, and it's producing better results, but not to the extent where it's like, oh, this is a seriously good deck now that we need to worry about. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, obviously, the second class that we need to talk about urgently is uh, Warrior. And Warrior, honestly, Control Warrior, ETC Control Warrior is scaring me more. And we still call it Control Warrior, by the way, because 
even though you know there's a tendency uh, whenever there's a late game strategy that has some sort of combo immediately people call it a combo deck um because it has some card draw and a finisher then it's a combo deck now uh i i, I feel like it tends to what ha tends to happen is when a deck is good when there's a late game strategy that's good and efficient has a good win condition then it's a combo deck and when it's slow and clunky and plays an attrition game then and it's bad then it's a control deck Honestly, ETC Control Warrior wins through the ETC combo maybe a third of the games, maybe even less than that. Usually, you win through Skipper, Armorsmith, Bloodsworn, Mercenary in every fast matchup. And in slow matchups, you often win more with the Rattlegore rather than the ETC combo. So the ETC combo is just one aspect of that deck. But it's not really why that deck is so powerful, right? It's just defensively, it's so strong. It has so many strong tools that that versatility and the ability to win in multiple ways just makes it such a powerful deck and what we worked on this week and what was interesting to us is that we've seen that draw increasing the draw of that deck makes it more efficient even if you cut removal uh as a result and you know Cutting removal is not something that's strictly correct, but it seems to be correct based on where the meta is heading, especially at higher levels of play. Because if you're playing the mirror, Brawl is useless. Bladestorm is useless. It does nothing in these matchups. These cards are also not very good against either Demon Hunter deck. Like, Brawl is not a card that wins the aggro Demon Hunter matchup. Because if you're waiting to get punched in the face by multiple early game minions so that you can turn five brawl you're in trouble that's not how you win that matchup and definitely brawl is not useful very useful against soul demon hunter unless like fringe scenarios where you know militia is on the board then brawl is an answer to that but it's not really something that you rely on so when you look at the top meta decks a lot of them these removal cards are not super efficient against them so what you'd rather do is just have more consistently um, be able to draw your win conditions. Get to your win conditions. If you have more draw, then you're more likely to get Skipper Armorsmith in time against an Aggro Demon Hunter or against a Soul Demon Hunter. And if you're playing the Mirror, you're more likely to get Rattlegore first and be able to duplicate it because in the Mirror, Rattlegore is critical since... You know, either opponent can just armor out of range of the ETC combo. So, making the deck like a little bit more centric on drawing uh, can definitely be a good direction when you look at the meta trends and what's getting more and more powerful. Where Brawl is important in mostly is in the Shaman matchup. Like in the Evolved Shaman matchup, I think it's one of the only matchups in the format where Brawl is like a net positive card. For that archetype. And if Shaman became better again, or it got stronger and more popular, then Brawl is something that you would consider putting back in. Um, but what's interesting is that even if we wanted to run more removal again in the NTC combo build, I would probably opt for Minefield over either Bladestorm or Brawl, because Minefield is a card so good in the early game and it allows you to stabilize and be able to execute your game plan more consistently so 
if you want to be less centric or, or uh, set, less focused on the combo and on your draw options, then I would look at like cutting a penflinger and stage dive for two minefields. That's honestly might be the direction that this deck deck takes in the future. If what I'm seeing right now in terms of deck play rates continues the way it is, because minefield is insane against aggro demon hunter. It's a really powerful card. It just wins. It feels like a defile early game uh, if you if you get it against Aggro Demon Hunter, except you don't have to do math, which I'm a big fan of because I didn't like getting a headache on turn two. You just you slam it if they have stuff and the stuff goes away. It's also not great against Evolve Shaman. A lot of the decisions this list looks like are being driven by the idea that Aggro Demon Hunter is defining the format of what people can play and what people can't. And so you can kind of get away with cutting any expensive removal cards because if you need removal, it better not be expensive against aggro DH. Yeah, because as I said, Brawl really doesn't... Like, I've seen people say after the report, like, how do I... Like, Brawl, like, if I don't have Brawl, then how do I win against, like, aggro Demon Hunter? And I'm saying, hey, that's not what wins that matchup. Were we brawling against that deck anyways? It feels like playing a five-mana spell against them that kills almost everything is not the way to go. Yeah, it's just like because you never, you can never allow yourself to be put in a position where they have like four or five minions on the board smacking you fence until turn five. Like you're gonna die. <laughs> like having like a card like Minefield, on the other hand, is far better in that particular matchup. And also, Minefield is useful against Soul Demon Hunter because usually they just have one minion on the board. And Minefield takes care of it. Lapidary, sometimes it's awkward to remove a Lapidary, you just Minefield it. Sometimes Minefield is great with Barov, right? You can play Barov Minefield. That's also something that you can consider. Like, it's 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 a combo that can work. Activate Barov consistently. Uh, and, and it's also why I kind of like it if you want to cut, like, one broomstick and one stage dive, obviously. Um, then you, you add a card that's also useful with Barov. So that's the tip I have. If your meta is very aggressive and you feel like you want some removal... I would run Minefield before I ever consider Bladestorm or Brawl. I think these cards are widely overrated, and also they're not actually good in the matchups people think they're good against. Like Paladin. I've seen people say, why are we cutting... Like, now that I've cut Brawl and Bladestorm against my uh, Paladin, I get stomped by Paladin. Uh, Brawl is not actually good against Paladin, guys. It's not actually a great card in that matchup. Yeah. Bladestorm's Bladestorm's decent against them if you can get the board empty. Mm, like it's a little bit better because you can remove like one big minion sometimes that they have on the board. But if they ever hero power and play a big minion, then Bladestorm is not that great. Again, these cards are like hugely overrated, and I feel like uh, going back and running them over like the build that we feature right now is kind of going like going backwards. But if we want to move forwards, then I think that Minefield is a far better consideration for removal. Yeah. Than either of these two cards. Anyway, I've made my point clear. Speaking of minefield, speaking of minefield hat, did you know this card? How insane this card is in Bomb Warrior. It makes sense. This card is so good in Bomb Warrior. Oh, is Bomb Warrior good? Oh, I don't want it's that honestly deck to be good. Feral Cat in Miracle Rogue hat. We'll get to that later. Oh, but good, you're instigating early. That's good. Minefield in Bomb Warrior is gargantuan. Like that card is a, like a f worth a full tier. So if you ever want to run Bomb Warrior on ladder, you have to play Minefield. I don't even care what the rest of the cards are. Just run to Minefield, then you'll feel a lot better. It's so good with Wrench Caliber. It just allows you 
to wrench Caliburn floor very comfortably without being pressured by your opponent. It's just so good. Can you stop making Bomb Warrior better? I don't want to play against this deck anymore. Don't want to do it. Hat, I don't want to play against it either, but it's my job to make decks better, Hat. <sighs> I can't I can't go back on that and selectively improve only the decks I like. There's no you have to run minefield on Bomb Warrior. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I apologize to all the people who will have to queue into Bomb Warriors with Minefield. Because that card's insane. Anyway. <laughs> That's pretty much Warrior. If I had to nerf... Okay, so when it comes to Warrior, the, this is the other class that we need to think about nerfing, right? Because it's a little bit too powerful and does things too well. So in this situation, nerfing the flashy combo card actually makes sense. And I think that nerfing ETC actually makes sense for this deck. Because I think that part of the reason why ETC controller is so powerful is because of the flexibility in its win condition. And the fact that it's so strong defensively, right, and the fact that it can OTK you, I think that's just too much in one deck, right? Like, a deck that's so strong defensively has such good card run, such good removal tools, too many removal tools to even include in the deck, and then can OTK you from 30 health that easily... Yeah, with pieces I mean, that are flexible in other win conditions like a Bloodsworn Mercenary, I feel like that's too good. But the cards that the cards that keep the deck alive are what frustrates me when I play against it. Like I can't speak for everyone's experience, and I agree that all the good removal tools and control tools and combo uh, together is a little much. But you look at the cards as well that are rotating out, Risky Skipper's rotating out, Ankar's rotating out, um, Bloodsworn Mercenary is rotating out, Wrench Caliber also, by the way. Finally, finally. Um, I, a co-host in my other show, suggested nerfing Bloodsworn Mercenary to four, and I think that that's where I'm at right now. Um, even though it's rotating out, it makes Skipper Smith a lot less explosive in terms of the armor gain, and it makes the ETC combo not viable. Yeah, I think that is a very smart uh, change, because it hits all aspects of the deck, right? Because Bloodsworn Mercenary is really the card that enables the ETC combo, and enables the Skipper combo with Armor Smith. And it's also used with Rattlegore. It's just critical for all the three win conditions that are available in the deck. It's a sweet card, but three mana is a really specific Oh, just make one. it a four mana 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. Just put it back to 3-3, three, three, but make it four mana. That's more difficult to combo, but it's not such a negative tempo card, right? And as a four mana 3-3, three, three, it's still much better than... Baseless Manipulator, for example. I mean, it's still a strong card. It still probably sees play, but we don't end up with this specific iteration of the combo. Um, and there have yeah. been other Control Warrior decks that have been running around. Um, it's, I imagine it's fairly hard in the data to, to separate them so at a granular level, but I know like Molestar hit Rank 1 Legend with Cthune Warrior. Yeah, and I'm not sure the Cthune part is actually what wins with the, in that deck. I would guess that's a Rattlegore deck. That has Cthune. Yeah, it's a it's more of a Rattlegore deck. And honestly, I really like that change. When when you like you 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 talked about uh, Bloodsworn Mercenary. Yeah, I think four mana make it a four mana three three. I would be really happy with that kind of change because it still allows you to win through Rattlegore. It's just that Rattlegore has counterplay, silence. There's transform effects. There's just plain stuff, so they cannot spend their whole turn playing a, a dumb 9-mana gigantic minion that's not a taunt and doesn't affect the board immediately. So 
Rattlegore is a healthy win condition because it has counterplay. But ETC doesn't have counterplay. Not playing stuff is not counterplay. Like, when, when you have a, like, you remember in Patron days when the correct thing to do was not play minions so they cannot get more buffs off of their charging frothing berserker that's not that was not a healthy experience so i'm fine with rattlegore i'm fighting with keeping the win condition of playing rattlegore and then copying it with bloodsworn mercenary so i don't want to butcher bloodsworn mercenary to be a useless card but in the context of it being cheap enough for the etc combo just get rid of that and also Skipper Armorsmith. I'm an, honestly, Hat, as a player, I am so sick of that. I am so sick of watching that. It's stupid. Like, it just, Skipper, since the moment it was introduced, was like this one card solution for like every aggressive deck, like ever. Like, you just Skipper Armorsmith and they lose. It's just so powerful and dominant and has been so dominant for a year now that. I think we should have a break from it a little bit. I mean, Skipper Armorsmith, okay, but Bloodsworn Mercenary gained 20 armor while clearing the board is a little bit too much, Hat. Yeah, it's a little bit. I mean, I'm of two minds about it because Skipper, I think, is a hair too good, and I also love the card and what it's enabled while it's been around because it's made a bunch of really interesting, really powerful, and really skill-intensive decks. And Rage Warrior was a marvelous thing, but it's maybe a little bit too good or in combination with Smith and in combination with Bloodsworn. So maybe at now we're 10 months into Skipper's reign. It's got three more to go. We can make that interaction of copying stuff a little bit worse. But I've loved what Skipper's done for the format and how cool and interesting it's it's made things. Like, th- imagine Ashes without Skipper. It did help introduce a lot of highly skillful decks in Warrior, a lot of interesting decks in Warrior. I just think that having that combo of clearing the board while gaining a bunch of armor should be a little bit slower. And this yeah. is what we're suggesting and doing, right? If you play, if, if Mercenary is a four mana card, then you can do it on turn seven and not turn six. So that one turn, extra turn, can be all the difference in giving some aggro decks a chance in that matchup, a little bit better of a chance. Uh, that's all we're asking, right? Yeah. So. Skipper, yeah, it's very hard to nerf Skipper without making it useless, but you can nerf some aspects of what it allows to do and make him a little bit slower so that Warrior is not just this class that automatically wins every aggressive matchup whenever and ever, forever. Uh, So this is kind of what we're looking at. So yeah, yeah, I do like the change. Bloodsworn Mercenary to 4 mana 3-3, that's what I would do. And I think that would correct a lot of things uh, that were experiencing right now a word that feel a little bit too overwhelming so now that we had the you know we got to talk about two classes out of the way demon hunter and warrior we can actually talk about other classes that don't need to be nerfed hat but they're also doing okay yes doing well under the pressure they're doing all right so speaking of cards that don't need to be nerfed let's talk about edwin van cleef <sighs> I had to turn one ten ten the um, other day. Yeah. Uh, so Miracle Rogue. Uh, you know we've had some. I've seen some eyebrows raised at our suggestion of running one questing adventure and two cats. And turns out we were absolutely correct. At can you believe it? The the advocates for two 
cats in the Miracle World ended up being correct in saying that two cats are important. You know why I'm saying this? Because over the last three days in which more people were running two cats, coincidentally, Miracle Rogue's win rate is skyrocketing. And it's headed to tier one hat. It's headed there. It's getting there. And that's because we're playing a good one drop in the deck. A one drop that has been consistently powerful in the deck from the moment it was introduced to the format and savers of Voodoo. Cat is good, guys. And also, we've extensively explained why one questing adventurer is okay, because questing adventurer is a card that really wishes it was Edwin, right? It wishes it were Edwin, but it's not Edwin. It's kind of a bogus small replacement for the second Edwin, and that's the purpose of the card. You want to play it on like turn five, six usually in most matchups. It's not, we're not playing against Druid. Druid is nowhere. So it's not important to run Questing Adventure on turn three, four. When you're playing against Druid, you play Questing Adventure on turn three, four. You're not doing that against Soul Demon Hunter. They can consistently remove it if it's not buff enough, right? You're not doing that against Aggro. You don't care about that. And also Warrior, like who's playing? Like you're never, it's never going to work if you're, you're never going to consistently uh, produce a big questing adventure in the early game to threaten them. You mostly just want to develop and get that blowout turn on 5-6. So in the meta, in the current meta, it's not important to run one Edwin and two bad Edwins. So you're just running one good Edwin and one a little bad Edwin. That's what I call questing adventure right now. Scuffed Edwin. It, yeah. a, a bad Edwin is good enough, right? One of them. But having two of them is tough. Also, the thing that people need to remember is that you don't always have the resources to boost two questing adventurers and Edwin. You need to spend resources in order to juice them up. And they kind of compete with each other. And they kind of, if you, if you run too many of them, they make each other worse. Because just imagine there are a lot of situations where you draw the two questings and they're pretty much one of them is always going to be useless because you're never going to get the second one buffed enough because you're spending resources to boost the, the first one. So the second one is going to be a lot weaker. Uh, so that's pretty much what the, the reason why. And it's uh, uh, we're running one and it's proving to be working. Pat, people have been not taking us. Uh, the bill that we're suggesting is propagating and i'm seeing that it's doing significantly better than other builds because it's running two cats don't ever listen like if somebody tells you that running less than two cats is correct then they're they're wrong hat they're wrong cat is insane cat and one is insane replace that card it needs to be played yeah it's i've seen some people experimenting in high legend uh where they're running one eviscerate and two questings I can forgive that. I can forgive that. If they really like their questing adventurers, I can forgive them for that. But I cannot forgive them for running two questing adventurers and one cat. You need that double cat. unforgivable hat. You're the fair cat defender. That was your nickname this week, I know. You need you need the two cats. I know, I think uh, McBannerface hit like rank four legend or something like that with uh, double cat, double questing, one evis. Like, seems to be working fine. Evis is really nice to have. You don't always need it. Cat on one hat, just cat on one. Just play cat on one, and things will be okay. Like it's, the card is good. just so strong. 
It's so strong. It's just like whenever it just gets you a two drop, you just win. Okay? And whenever you get like you, there's so many matchups where it gives you like a defensive card, which is also huge later in the game. Having a just... having a bone wraither cartoon against uh against soul defen or soul demon hunter is really, really important. And it just yeah. happens sometimes. And it's good with Shadow Step to buff up your Edwin. It can like obviously you you usually want Wand Thief as that one drop that you keep shadow stepping in order to juice the Edwin. But Cat can also do that role while giving you resources, which is really nice, by the way, because if you're going all in on an Edwin or a questing adventurer and they remove it, it's really nice to have more cards in hand after. So the card is just good. Um, it's it's very clear and obvious, and I'm, I'm just going to stop repeating myself that it's good. Just running. Miracle, Miracle Rogue is a tier one deck. And Zach, I, I have a little surprise for you. I've actually turned into an amateur data anal uh, analyst myself. I've gone on HS Replay, last three days, top 1,000 legend. There are two deck lists that are both hovering around 56-57% win rate. And then there's another deck list that's, that adds a Zephyrus, and the win rate drops by 10%. So my initial analysis is that Zephyrus is bad in Miracle Rogue. What do you think? Can you cuss in this podcast? Because that's what I was about to do. It's, it's you know, your I was podcast. about to say no, 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 no. Yeah, okay. So seems yeah, like Zephyrus, Zephyrus is, is useless. The only okay, the only deck in the current meta where Zephyrus is remotely playable as a one-off in a deck that's not a one-off deck is ETC Control Warrior, and it's only because you have so much draw. If you reduce the amount of draw, then Zephyrus gets worse, and I would eventually like to the point where I would cut it from that deck too. So don't run Zephyrus. It's a waste of time in Rogue, for sure. Um, okay, wait. We, yeah. We're not going to curse, but if Zephyrus was a chicken, it would be clucking awful. How about that? Yeah, absolutely, Hat. But it's not a chicken, so it wouldn't say that. But if we were. So, okay. That's Miracle Rogue. Now, are there any other relevant Rogue decks you want to talk about here? Do we have anything on Galakrond Rogue? Do we have anything on Aggro Rogue? They're just it? worse than Miracle. Just play Miracle. I, I don't like uh, the other iterations of Rogue uh, right now in the current meta. Galakrond Rogue is a little bit too slow. It's gotten a little bit stronger because people are dropping C'Thun and starting to run builds without C'Thun. But even those builds, are, I'm not seeing a ceiling that suggests that they're good enough. And Aggro Rogue, you know, people are not really trying out that build too much. Like, not really trying to refine that archetype. And maybe the reason is that it just considerably weaker than uh, Miracle Rogue, so people feel like there's no reason to play that deck when Miracle Rogue is so much better. And I can understand that. So, not really. I think Miracle Rogue is the way to go, uh, until I see evidence that suggests otherwise. Yes. And there's... We'll, we'll have a note. For those of you that like watching Twitter decklists, we don't have data on this yet. Please don't roll into the Discord and say, hey, Zach, do you have any data on Whirly Kickmaster? Because we don't have it. But... On the China server, a player hit rank 1 legend by cutting the secret package from Rogue and adding in Whirly Kickmaster, a 2-mana 1-2 that whenever you play a combo card, add a combo card to your hand, and a bunch of other combo stuff. And it's weird looking, we don't know anything about it, and it might be a fad, but it's a thing that people are trying today, Saturday, and it's, it's populated on Twitter over like the last 24 hours or so. No idea if it's any good, but it's interesting to see. I mean, we'll see next week if it's any good. If it's any good, we'll mention it, of course. But if it's not, then we'll probably not even mention it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 
So how about Shaman Hat? Shaman oh, has really Shaman. dropped in power over the last uh, week, and most of the re- like Evolve Shaman, which was the best performing Shaman deck um, so far in the early expansion days, has suffered as a result of the rise of Agro Demon Hunter. You know, Evolve Shaman can definitely hang in there with Control Warrior. With Soul Demon Hunter, these matchups are not favorable by any means. They can be, depending on the card choices. Uh, I feel like if you're not running Brawl and Warrior anymore, then Evolve Shaman can definitely do more work there. But Acro Demon Hunter is just so difficult to win. Like, they just, by that time, you're like... Evolve Shaman is a deck that gets needs some time to get going. And usually doesn't do much in the early game. Against those decks, Acro Demon Hunter just stomps them. Like, it just, it's a bloodbath. So, very difficult matchup, very difficult to deal with with that deck as a Shaman. So, Evolve Shaman definitely got weaker. We do have an extensive uh, discussion about its builds. And hopefully, we'll know better next week what is the best direction to go. Or whether the best direction is some hybrid of them. But I feel like it's important that we do collect some data on these approaches as separate entities. In order to be able to tell what's... What's the way to go? And, you know, we have the philosophy of, okay, so we have the reactive spells, right? We're playing against Agro Demon Hunter. You definitely want things like Serpent Train Portal. You want Storm Strike. These are useful cards that affect the board and allow you to interact with the opponent's board and prevent snowballing. But the problem is that when you run these spells, then Derailed Coaster becomes a worse card. Like in that kind of build, where you have a lot of spells, you can often, you know, reach situations where you play the Red Coaster and just just generates like a couple of rush minions. Like just a couple of one ones or three one ones. And that's not good enough, right? So one thinking is let's just get rid of the Red Coaster. Just play Faceless Corruptor. And play Tour Guide that helps enable Faceless Corruptor. And this kind of build is I think is better probably against Agro Demon Hunter because of the fact that you have ways to interact with the opponent's minions in the early game. And you have more consistent comeback mechanics through Faceless Corruptor. Um, like if you like a deck that pressures your life total so hard in the early game, you need ways to prevent their minions from hitting you in the face multiple times. Uh, so that's one approach. The other approach is to build around the rail coaster is just to say, let's forget about spells and just go all in on making the rail coaster as good as it can be. And that means cutting all the spells except for just mutate. Mutate is particularly good uh, in that build because it has a lot of really good targets. You run Novice Engineer and Cable Rat, which their purpose is basically keeping your hand size big with minions, so that the rail coaster is more consistent on 5. You play Sea Giant, because if you have the rail coaster and spawns a giant board, then Sea Giant costs very little mana. Uh, and you just, that whole build is all about just getting to that turn 5 and playing coaster and blowing the opponents, like swinging the game back in a dramatic fashion. So both of these approaches are interesting. The way We've evaluated the data for Evolve Shaman. It suggests that they're both powerful and promising in their own way. And we need to see how the meta further develops in order to be able 
to assess what's the best direction. So Evolve Shaman, we've, we've done a lot of work on that archetype this week, and hopefully we'll have more clarity next week. You can pick and choose between either one. I think both of them are, seem to be performing, both of these approaches seem to be performing well on ladder right now. Um, so it all depends on, I think, the environment that develops around them in order to determine what's the best uh, way to go. And one other thing that's important to remember about what we've said this week is that Revolve is actually not good enough in this deck. Regardless of what build you you you, you choose, Revolve is just not good enough because it's only good with Desert Hair, and it's really bad right now without Desert Hair. It's just such an awkward card because you always want to re revolve and then attack through. Like, you want to use it as a devolve, and then it hits your own stuff. It's It's been surprisingly bad every time I've played with it. Even with hair, it's, it's only not, okay. It's not a great fit for this deck because yeah. your evolve is basically... You, are, you equip a box spine knuckles on five, and you're going to swing with a weapon every turn. You're going to evolve every turn. Now, revolve doesn't do anything to that. Right, because you have a bunch of random minions, so and you cannot. It's not like mutate, where you can choose which low roll you like. You choose like a low roll. Why? Why mutate is kind of cool in that deck and kind of useful is that you big make a big evolve play right with bog spine knuckles, and one of those minions is is going to be undersized, and then you kind of correct that with mutate, but revolve you cannot really do that. Also. The current meta just doesn't isn't really super board focused to the point where this effect is very useful on the opponent's minions. You don't have high value transform targets right now. Even like Agro Demon Hunter, it doesn't have uh you know big buffed minions that you kind of had to have to get rid of. Definitely not a card that you would ever consider keeping against Agro Demon Hunter just to silence and transform their Intrepid Initiate. It's not a winning strategy. So um, that's kind of the situation that we're at. Uh, Agro Shaman is a deck that I'm a big fan of. I think it's underrated. The problem is it's really bad against Agro Demon Hunter. If Agro Demon Hunter wasn't really... wasn't that good, I think it would be potentially meta-breaking, because it's really, it's pretty good into Soul Demon Hunter and Control Warrior. It beats Control Warrior Hat. You have so much damage. Oh yeah. I played some of this. I've been trying to make Diligent Note-Taker work for since it came out as my favorite card of Skolomance. In this deck, it works. When you get Note-Taker Rockbiter, Rockbiter, and a Doomhammer up, ooh, that's a lot of damage. In that deck, Note-Taker definitely works. It's better than voracious reader which i guess is insane match because reader in this deck is trash you're just you you never put you're never in a position in the early game to vomit your hand to that degree where a reader is useful uh but no taker definitely helps in terms of that you know and i've seen other experimentation i've seen players run poke it in that deck that's kind of interesting there there are bills that are doing storm's wrath too they're going wider and storm's wrath's okay it, it's it's kind of interesting, um, but I, I, we don't have obviously enough on that. But in the build, the build that we featured in the report is favored against Warrior, maybe as good as sixty forty, and Soul Demon Hunter is like close to a fifty fifty matchup. The problem is you get completely destroyed by Agro Demon Hunter, so that's the unfortunate part. But I think that Agro Shaman is a deck that's a little bit of a sleeper, and I think already at high levels of play. I can see scenarios where it's just better than Evolve Shaman, just better. Because you line up 
better against the top two decks, save Aggro Demon Hunter, right? Like, if you if you see a lot of Aggro Demon Hunter, you don't want to run Shaman anyway. But if you're ever in a situation where you run into the Soul Demon Hunter and Controller that keep Aggro Demon Hunter down, then I would suggest running an Aggro Shaman over Evolve Shaman. I think it, it's just better in that particular scenario. Um, Totem Shaman is garbage, and it's going to dumpster out of the meta because it's by far the most vulnerable uh, deck in terms of falling behind and not being able to come back from that. Um, so I, I just don't see a future for that deck right now. And it gets rolled by Aggro Demon Hunter, of course. The only the only note I'll have on Evolve Shaman is that I played a little bit of it going in, in the, to start my climb this month. I th- Lightning Bloom feels pretty important. Uh, like, it feels really nice to be able to get ahead of what's going on. And I did try Geppetto Joy Zack. I tried it. And let me tell you, if you have not gone Geppetto, one mana Horde Pillager, zero mana Mogu attack in the same turn, you have not lived. It was very powerful. Yeah, I was I was playing around with Geppetto. Unfortunately, that card isn't played enough for us to evaluate, but I can see it definitely being good. Um, it just like you run it in the um, the the non coaster build. I think it's best there because you want to run Bloom with, when you're running Geppetto. Yes, and you just sl- uh, you just swap like a clacker, the clacker for Geppetto. And that could be cool, but we don't have enough. I'm not sure we're ever going to have enough data on Geppetto in order to confirm that the card is good, unfortunately, because the meta is kind of heading in the direction where, you know, Shaman stock is dropping. And rather than refining Shaman, it seems like people are just giving up or like playing it to a significantly less uh, in numbers because it's just bad against Aggro Demon Hunter, no matter how you build it. But yeah. Geppetto is cool. It is. I'm I'm bringing it up not because we have any kind of statistical data indicating that it's great. Just I played it one game and it was sweet, so I wanted to share that. Yeah, one game, good sample size. It's so far card's been insane every time I've played it. When you have time to play, you don't think about it. What if it's dead in your hand? It's don't don't bring logic into this. Don't bring logic. Yeah, no, let's not let's not bring. Come on, we don't do that here. We're just vicious syndicate. All right, let's talk about Hunter. Highlander Hunter, when earlier you said when they nerf Highlander Hunter might be too good in Psych, so far the story of this year is nerf things until Highlander Hunter is the best deck and then chill. That's kind of the approach we've taken. Nerf Aggro Demon Hunter until Highlander Hunter is the best deck and then chill. Yes. I kind of feel like we're headed there. Like, we're going to nerf Demon Hunter and then Highlander Hunter is going to be everywhere. And personally, I'm kind of tired of that hat. I'm kind of tired of that, but uh, yeah, Highlander Hunter is really good right now. Now, this is the thing that people are might be missing, is that already in this meta, Highlander Hunter is really good, and that's because it does not lose to Soul Demon Hunter or Control Warrior in the current meta. Like, it's it's pretty decent against both. It forces close matchups against both. Face Hunter loses to both, so it's just disappearing from, um, especially at high levels, like, people are just not running Face Hunter because there's no reason to play it. Highlander Hunter is so much better. Like Skullmance, we had the situation where, you know, Highlander was better at high levels, but there was some difference in some matchups, and you could pick and choose, but no. Here, there's like there's a clear and obvious choice. No matter where you are on ladder, Highlander Hunter is just far better because it lines up 
that much better against the top meta decks. Um, and it's also better against Aggro Demon Hunter, though it's still not a good matchup. And I suspect that it's getting... It's not suspect, okay? It's getting worse. Like, it was like 45-55, but it seems to be trending to the 40-60 direction. Which is why, if you're playing Highlander Hunter right now, you might consider running an Explosive Trap instead of a Pressure Plate. Um, in our build this week, we ended up dropping Eagle Horn Bow for Trampling Rhino. Uh, now, a lot of people say, oh, why are we cutting Bow? This deck has Secrets, and Bow is so good with Secrets. Well, Bow is not actually good in that deck. Not particularly great in that deck. One is because Ringling's Rifle is even better. And sometimes it's awkward when you have a bow and you really want to play Rifle, but you don't want to waste the charges. So they're kind of redundant with each other. And then think about how many in how many matchups do you have time to equip a bow on three and just repeatedly hit face with with it. Because you're not looking to use the bow in order to hit minions. Like, if you're doing that in any fast matchup, you're going to die. You're going to die. So you don't... Bow is not a good card against Aggro Demon Hunter, for example. That's not efficient enough in order to be able to deal with it, with their aggression. So what you end up doing is, like, it's kind of okay in very, very slow matchups. Like, it's okay against Priest, and it's okay against Warrior, but even against Warrior, it's not that great. So when a card is exhibiting this kind of performance, we kind of tend to cut it when we see something better. And what's better is Trampling Rhino. And I kind of was surprised at how good that card is, even though it has like some anti-synergy with Scavengers and Genuity, because when you play Scavengers and Genuity, you really want to get Whirlpatinger, because that's really good. So if you play Scavengers and Genuity on 2, and you get Rhino then yeah, you're going to have a powerful turn 5, but you kind of want to do something earlier. You kind of want to phase stalker or whoopatinger. But this kind of anti-synergy is still a net positive because Rhino is really good. Like, it's good enough on curve, just a 5-mana five 5-5 five, five rush. And in the late game, if you draw it off Scavengers Ingenuity, or even not draw it, just play it, it can deal some significant damage to your opponent and allows you to just break through their defenses so it's surprisingly useful uh, so we added it also obviously it works well with poke it because you know you draw dino timber brand and then you draw rhino and that's that's pretty good you can play rhino on six and dino timber brand on seven that's pretty powerful or you can follow it up with a rhino after the dino timber brand helps you crack through a taunt or whatever so that works, and Hounder Hunter is good. There's not much to change in that deck, but it's one of the best decks in ladder. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's been just kind of the stable force for a while. It's a good it's a good example of a deck. It's not really defining the format. It's not really influencing other decks to make different card choices. It's not that kind of deck. But it's very powerful and thrives. It's been able to thrive under very under different metas that were defined by different kinds of decks, and it just gets there. So Hunter is good. Uh, maybe people are a little bit bored of it, so it's not never going to have that high play rate. Um, also, 
might be getting worse because of Agro Demon Hunter's rise in efficiency and improvement in that matchup, as well as rise in popularity. But I don't expect it to fall off of Tier 1. And if Demon Hunter and Warrior ever get nerfed, then that kind of you know creates a vacuum for that deck to even do better. So that's even a little bit of a concern um, from my perspective. Because it's already good, Hat. It It is already good. It's We'll see. I don't really have a way to speak to my perceptions on this in an informed way. It just feels like every time Highlander Hunter is the best deck, it's still I don't see that much of it because people don't want to jam it all the time. I don't know. Yeah, I think that... Well, I can speak my, uh, for myself. Personally, even if Highlander Hunter had a 60% win rate, I wouldn't play it. Just because I'm not like interested in playing that deck. Uh, like... So there's a lot of players who kind of feel the same way um, that they just want to play something new and fresh, right? And Highlander Hunter has been kind of the same deck for like eight months. Uh, it doesn't feel like it changed much. Like it does the same things with slightly different cards. So uh, I can see why it's not super popular. It's Highlander decks in general is that it just... A lot of times they, the configurations of cards they're running are... They tweak a little bit, but you're still just jamming good stuff on curve most of the time you're still playing the same deck with the same powerful payoffs and that's why the deck feels similar than it did before because the cards you remember are zephyrus and dino tamer brand you don't think about whether you ran ringling's rifle now and back in like eight months ago you ran something else you ran dragons right you ran primordial explorer and scale rider and Stormhammer, and now you're running secrets whole was a big deal right that was transformative. That kind of changed the deck. Yeah, but it's still like... So you see more of Dino Tamer Brand Hat. Yeah. Oh, I know. He's a, he's a lot more consistent now. Yeah, but you see more of the same card that you've, you've experienced and, and know of before. So it's kind of... doesn't feel fresh. doesn't feel like a fresh deck. That's, I mean, it's been, it's been a year and a half. I think that's a reasonable criticism. Yeah, there's another class that doesn't feel too fresh. And that's Paladin. And Paladin is also a class that's doing well. But maybe it's also suffering from this I'm a little boring right now because um, basically the message with Paladin is that pure Paladin is kind of the same deck that it was during Skullman's, only now you play Urel, right? And Libran Paladin, basically the, the, the message, the take-home message for Libran Paladin, just play the same cards that you did this last expansion because every new card that people are trying to play in that deck is bad. Like, every people are trying to make new Dark Moon Fair iterations of Limber Paladin. It's just not working. I've seen Cthulhu builds. That's our fault. Uh, We've seen Yogg builds. Now I've seen Nizoth builds. And uh, the common de denominator is that they are all old gods and they all suck. They all, they're not good. The best card I've seen from the new set for Labroom Paladin is probably Red Scale Dragon Tamer, the, the Murloc 2 drop. Um, and people are experimenting with different dragon builds. It usually just goes and gets an Amber Watcher or whatever, and, like, it's fine. But it's not, it's also not transformative. It's not a new, exciting like, you thing. know what's better? Just to have more card draw. Yeah. Like, Loot Hoarders and Novice Engineer, and just get to the Penflinger and uh, Liadr in a uh, uh, win condition. That's better. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe Red Scale Dragon Tamer is okay, and then you can, I don't know, jam an Amber Weaver, Amber Watcher, and that's kind of useful against like demon hunter in theory but based on what we're seeing right now 
is that it's just better to just run the same build from Skullman's and that's the way to go. Um, so maybe that would change. Maybe people figure out the right balance because the thing is about Red Scale Dragon Tamer is if you're running two, you kind of want to run three dragons. Right? And Amber Watcher is a card that you're happy with, but you're not happy with other dragons. You're not happy with running Bronze Explorer unless you're playing my build, the Pure Paladin. Um, so, because that card is not aggressive. You need to play more of a, a beefy defensive iteration for that card to be even remotely useful. So it's kind of awkward to, to try and change up that build. You know, we also advocated initially in Fear Crafting to run Dragon Tamer, but I'm not sure it has the dragons to do that, especially not Librem. So it's kind of the same deck, and it's doing really well. With the Skullman situation, that deck has tier 1 potential. But it might never see the same play rate that it did get at the end of that expansion. Just because, it's again, it's not new. It's not fresh. It's not particularly interesting if you've experienced and played it before. Like, feels like you're playing old cards, right? So, that's Paladin. Yeah. Yep. And now we get into... Other... Now, there have been some developments recently on some of these classes. We should talk about Priest because... Priest got its bug fixed. Nazmani is fixed, and so people are experimenting. Do we have data? Absolutely not. No way. No, no, we still don't know. Well, no, only next week. I'll give you the details on whether Nazmani Bloodweaver's bug fix has helped Priest make a comeback. We don't know yet. It's very hard to say at this stage, but we'll be we'll be parsing the data from the moment that bug fix was introduced and seeing whether Priest made a jump in its performance. We'll also evaluate uh, its builds, new builds of uh, Bloodweaver after the change. I'm excited by that card and what it can potentially do, but I honestly don't know if that is enough to make Priest uh, more relevant. I think it's important in this meta, to have a strong priest class because it it might be the best response to control warriors uh, domination because priest naturally has a good matchup against uh, warrior. Um, you can like rattle gore is a card that you can yoink, and you can also play if you are ever in a situation where you're playing a lot to a lot of ETC control warriors. People have been playing mind render Lucia in order to yoink the ETC off. Uh, their opponent's hand. So that also works. So Priest has good counterplay options against Warrior. Uh, but we'll see whether it's able to succeed in other matchups to the point where it's competitive and strong enough to be able to be a, a viable and popular counter of Warrior. I will tell you, from, from questionably playing some questionable builds over the past couple days, it is a much more fun card now. Is it good? I don't know. It's a lot more fun now. You get to kind of funnel all of your discounts, and you get it feels kind of exponentially powerful when you have a bunch of mana. I was playing a built Gadgetan Auctioneer and drawing a bunch of cards, and it was super fun, and I won, like, less than half my games. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was okay. I don't know. Gadget, people always shove Gadget and Auctioneer. Oh, it's almost certainly wrong. It's not right. But it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm not thinking... I'm thinking just... Veil Weaver and get a discount on like just 
Cobalt's Pelicans and just tempo out things. Yeah. I think that's good enough for and that. Probably played it out, people, because that ends up costing zero a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm kind of low-key excited for it, but we'll have to see next week. Uh, other classes, though, don't have really good excuses or good things to look forward to. Druid, you know, pretty much what we've said before is true now, only now that Aggro Demon Hunter is far more popular on ladder. A clown Druid is basically unplayable. Like, that matchup is close to, I don't know, it's like 75-25. It's really bad. So even though you're kind of favored against Soul Demon Hunter and Control Warrior, you cannot run into a significant number of Acro Demon Hunters. They just stomp you. And Druid, just, I just don't see a place for it on ladder, honestly. Yeah, then we have Warlock. We should point out with Druid... Um, this is the other development that's happened in like the last 24 hours is that Highlander Druid is seeing uh, a big explosion in, in visibility from a few people pushing it. Um, Language Hacker is in top 100 with it. McBannerface hit rank 1 with it. Um, I actually got Legend with this deck yesterday, and it feels pretty goofy and a lot better than Clown Druid, but it's really, really early on. We don't really have data on it. The popular list that's going around right now is one that was created by a player named Blastoise, um, and it's... It, it felt good to play, but I don't have any kind of data on it. I imagine that we'll be hearing about it next week. I'm just going to gamble here, Hath. I'm going to gamble. This is a gamble, pure gamble. It's nothing to do with data. I don't know. I have no idea how that deck performs, but I'm going to gamble that this deck is trash. Probably. I'm going to gamble. That's my gamble of the week. That it's- this deck is trash, and we're just seeing a, a couple of players um, just... I don't know. High rolling a little bit with it. I mean, taking advantage of the water down ladder or whatever. I did win with Yogg a few times. I'm not going to say that I have any data backing it up other than played it yesterday. Like had a had a good win rate over ten non legend games on the fourth of the month. Did pretty well. A couple good players are doing well with it. I did also win a bunch of times with Yogg. Like, I don't know if it's any good. I would imagine that if I were if I were gambling if I were betting. I would say next week we say had some initial promise, but isn't consistent enough and loses to Agro Demon Hunter. That's that's what I'm gonna initial promise had. I'm not sure there's gonna be initial promise. The initial promise honestly. from from the tweets. Not I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna be really surprised if an archetype that has failed to make any impact for the entirety of its iteration from Savers of Doom, Pound the Druid has never been a thing. I doubt that it, now it's going to be a thing. Suddenly, I mean, I understand why. People may think that it works, you know, you've got the clown, you can copy it with a lease, and it kind of works well in theory, but I'll be very, very surprised if that thing is actually playable. But again, that's just my hunch. Yeah. It's nothing I could be very wrong about this. We'll 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 talk about it next week. We have no data on it. The only thing that is we have some tweets. Yeah. We just have tweets. And in this world, we know tweets are very, you know, not very reliable. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, Druid's kind of got nothing else to do, so it's um, you know fooling around with Zephyrus. Uh, that kind of tends to happen with bad classes. They just try to build a Highlander deck and try to. That, we to have a lease. I copied my Zephyrus. I played two Zephyruses. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit better than you know, like Highlander Warrior. I guess it has better tools with a lease, but yeah. So Warlock still. Trash, um, Control Warlock, Trash, uh, Galakorn Warlock, Quest Warlock, Trash, 
Zoo Warlock is just a little bit of trash, not total dumpster. It's just that the thing about Zoo is that why would you play Zoo? Okay, so Zoo is not bad. I'm not saying Zoo is not trash. Like, maybe it's tier 3. Maybe it's even a little bit better. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's playable and competitive. But I just, the problem with Zoo is that I just don't see a reason why you would ever run that deck when there's Aggro Demon Hunter as an option. Just don't see it, Like, Zoo also is horrible against Demon Hunter. So, like, whenever you run into that matchup, you feel like you need to climb a wall in order to win. So, it just, rightfully so, people are just not picking Zoo. Like, the play rate of Zoo has, is, it's almost gone, actually. Zoo has sunk under 1% of ladder. Yeah. I'm it's looking at the gold like, app right now. It's it's not it's not even top sixteen most popular. Over the archetypes. last three days at Legend, at Diamond, it's under one percent. Yeah. Which means that people just like unless you're some diehard zoo players, which we have some in the Vicious Nika Discord, like there's no reason to play that deck. So that's pretty much it. Oof. It's got a lower it's got a lower play rate than Cyclone Mage, yikes. Yeah, I mean, because people are like want to have fun with some Cyclone Mage, right? They want to have fun with it because it's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I suppose dying on turn six is pretty cool. Like, Yeah, you lose, but you lose in style, Hat. With Zoo, you're not even losing in style. You're just getting your head bashed in by Demon Hunters. No matter what Demon Hunter it is, you're getting your head bashed. So it doesn't feel great. Um, so I, I just don't see a path for, for Warlock to be relevant in this meta. And uh, obviously the same goes for Mage. Um, only the, the only difference between Mage and uh, Warlock is that Warlock has a, a playable deck, and Mage doesn't even have that. You know, and once again, if we want to talk about recent news, people have been trying to make Highland the Mage work. Look at that surprise hat. A class is struggling. It's dumpster tier, and people are trying to find a way for Zephyrus to bail them out. Same deal here. We see it, see it in Druid. We see it in Mage. What I do know is that every Highlander build of Mage that I've seen this expansion has looked total trash. And I doubt that, like, a few card choices, a few different card choices are going to change that. So, I just, again, don't see a path for Mage. And this is, this gets to our final point when we, as we finish all, going through all the classes. There are too many classes right now that just are trash. Like, we're praying, we're hoping Look, look, we're hoping that Priest is good, right? After the Nazmani Bloodweaver bug fix. But even in that base case scenario where Priest is suddenly better or playable, we still have three classes that I just don't see a spot for in the meta. They're irrelevant. And if Priest is... If Nazmani Bloodweaver bug fix is not enough, you have four classes, 40% of the classes are just... Whenever we ever seen that, that there's just four classes that are just sit there and they just, you know... You you don't want to play them if you want to maximize your ladder win rate ever. Like it's just so weird to me that we've reached this point. It just tells you how powerful the best classes are that they just keep them out of the meta, and that's a problem that probably yeah. needs to be addressed. Which is why we've extensively discussed about nerfs uh, earlier in this uh, podcast because we need to find a way to bring them back. Now the good news is. There's a mid-expansion uh, set, right? 35 new cards. New cards. Hopefully, these classes will get some good cards, and they can come back. 
But for now, maybe we need to, you know, allow these cards to have a bigger influence by nerfing some powerful things in the top meta decks. The my initial bet was they were going to nerf Thursday the third, the day the report came out. But it it's looking like. As of right now, I would guess they're waiting for Worlds because they got a bunch of flack for nerfing so close to Master Taurus last expansion. Yeah, it's going to happen 14th, 15th of the month. That's my guess. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, Tuesday the 15th. I think that's the date. Um, I'll be surprised if they make nerfs just before Worlds. It's not like they've never done nerfs on the week before a major tournament, but we're talking about Worlds hat. So. Yeah. It's Worlds. It's only eight people. It's, uh, you know, I guess they could have told them about any nurse they were doing already because it's such a small field. It's possible that they're warning them beforehand, but you still, like, the thing is, like, still need time need to, to test. actually practice with the changes, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they, if, uh, whenever they nerf right before a Masters Tour, usually players go with really safe choices. So unless we want Masters Tour Highlander Hunter, then I think it makes more sense to let people practice ETC mirrors and get that skill going, and then if they're going to make any changes, do it a couple days after that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. The prospect of ETC Mirrors is not that uh, great, Hat. It's I mean, skill We're going to hear a lot of groans, rattle, gore, groan, or just Warrior gets banned. That's actually might be what's ha- what ends up happening, but uh, we'll see. Um, I'm, not, I'm not too... Um, in tune with what's happening right now in the tournament meta uh, because everything is still maybe a little bit chaotic but um yeah i i just can't like you're probably gonna see the same four or five classes in every lineup i just i just don't see like maybe priest if you're leaving up warrior or some weird stuff like that but um it's probably not going to be the most diverse tournament, especially you know the stakes are so high. People are probably going to go safe. You're, maybe there will be a memer amongst them. It, it's, I mean, Monsanto is playing, so yeah, Monsanto is playing, so there's a good chance we're going to see something. But you know, I'm really like when I say something meme or interesting, I'm not talking about sticky finger lineups. No, that doesn't count anymore, guys. That's no. not interesting. You're talking about like lifesteal demon hunter. Yeah, you're talking. Yeah, I'm talking about off the wall ideas, off the wall choices, not cobalt sticky finger times eight. I made the bold prediction on my Twitter that there would be zero cobalt sticky fingers in the winning lineup. Oh, really? Oh, in the winning lineup? Uh, yeah. I, I would say there's a good chance you're going to see one of these lineups bring the sticky fingers, but uh, yeah, that's a pretty good bet, Hat. I think so. I've learned that tech cards are bad. From listening to a podcast. Yes. So to make sure the okay. listeners can listen to this podcast, let's wind down our recording. Um, any final thoughts to share? Um, oh, there is some good news, guys. You remember when uh, VS used to do wild reports? And we kind yeah. of uh, we couldn't do them because every time we wanted to prepare a wild report, there was some balance changes. Well, we've made some uh, adjustments for this expansion. Uh, in order to be able to produce them on a shorter notice. We've done that on the back end. There's some complicated stuff that we prepared for balance changes. But guess what? We're not getting balance changes anyway in the first month. Which means that there will be a wild report on the 13th of December. So it's not this Sunday. It's next Sunday. 
there will be a wild report. We're obviously going to post the announcement in the next standard report uh, next Thursday. But listeners of the podcast get the early scoop that wild reports are coming back. Wow. Never thought I'd see the day. Yeah. So wild reports are back. Also, as I've said, we've done some um, internal adjustments to be able to produce future wild reports on a shorter notice to, you know, uh, be able to produce these reports under the pretense of they're going to be more frequent balance changes. So we need to be able to do this quicker. Thankfully, also Firestone, uh, our collaboration with, with this app has allowed us um, to have more wild data than we had before, which makes this these internal adjustments possible. So look forward to a wild report in 10 days, in eight days from now. And standard report five days from now you're gonna have a busy week my friend yeah well that'll wind us down so thank you so much for listening as always we appreciate our supporters on vicious syndicate gold and patreon um everyone new who subbed and and supported this week thank you so much uh you can look forward to the next report on thursday the next podcast on saturday the next the wild report on sunday wow big thanks to steven sensei for the intro and outro and uh we'll see you next week The Data Reaper podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.